And welcome back to another edition of NFL Game Time Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Rubinson. We'll be breaking down each and every matchup on the now Week 7 slate. We really are in the thick of the NFL season. Really getting into that middle portion of the NFL season. We kind of have a sense of an identity for each team and for the teams that don't. You know, to not have an identity by Week 7, I think that those teams are definitely in trouble. So I'm gonna just you know I'm gonna go through each and every game, make my game picks, why each team is gonna win and where that team is headed, not just you know coming into week seven, but week seven and beyond. So let's get right into it because it's game time. So we'll start with the Thursday night game, of course. The Denver Broncos traveling to Cleveland, taking on the Cleveland Browns. And when these two teams are healthy. I don't think there's any doubt that the Cleveland Browns are the better team. The caveat is when these teams are healthy. And the Cleveland Browns, at least offensively, are anything but that. Odell Beckham Jr., we'll see if he's playing. He's dealing with a pretty significant AC joint sprain. So even if he does play, he's going to be severely limited. And again, that short turnaround quick turnaround, short week, Sunday to Thursday night. I just don't know if it's smart for Cleveland to be playing Odell knowing, yes, you're 3-3. Three and three. You know, you need anyone you can get, especially when you have a team like Baltimore that really seems to be taking, you know, a firm grasp on your division. And the AFC is very competitive overall and all around. But I don't think it's... I, if I were the Cleveland Browns, I would make the tough decision. And if it's being reported, you know, if, it, if that is accurate about how significant this injury is for Odell, I personally would not play him. I, wouldn't, I would not risk further injury with Odell Beckham Jr. You know, especially this guy, he's dealt with significant injuries. He struggled to stay on the field. I would take the precautionary approach. The problem with the Browns is Odell is by far not their biggest concern. Nick Chubb's out. Kareem Hunt's out. You know, obviously, a, this is a team that lie, that relies heavily on the run, and having your two-headed monster, both running backs out, really hinders your your approach. And then Baker Mayfield. You know, we can debate on, you know, where he ranks among the quarterbacks, and if he's a guy you can win because of or make a deep playoff run. We can debate that, you know, all day. But Baker Mayfield's still a really good NFL quarterback. And he's still a guy capable of winning big games and marching his team down the field. And, you know, no Jarvis Landry, of course, as well. So they're missing so many of their key weapons. If Baker Mayfield was still playing, I would probably still stick with the Browns because I think Mayfield is at least that talented that he can get it done against, you know, this Broncos team that is solid but nothing special in my mind. I'm going to go with the Denver Broncos. I'm going to go with the Denver Broncos It's just because of all the injuries the Cleveland Browns have. Their quarterback, their two-headed monster at running back, their receivers, and the offensive line. They all might play. Treader might play. Dredrick Wills, Jack Conklin, they all might play, but they've all been dealing with injuries in their own right. And in my mind, this, this the Browns are extremely well-rounded. They're a complete football team. Good for them. But the strength, in my mind, the number one strength of this football team is probably the offensive line. It allows the running game to get going. It protects... Normally, Baker Mayfield or whomever that quarterback is to give him time to make the right reads. Well, now, even if guys like, as I mentioned, Conklin, Wills, even if they all play, they're severely banged up. 
They're protecting Case Keenum, a guy who we shown has shown he can win. You know, going they're not hitting rock bottom with their backup quarterback. You know, Case Keenum has shown he can have success in the NFL, but I think if the Browns were healthy around Keenum, I think they could still win this game, and I might still pick him. If the Browns were this injured but still at Baker Mayfield, I probably would still lean the Browns. But when you just injury on top of injury on top of injury, you know, on defense, no Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa, a guy who kind of that Swiss Army knife defender can do it all. You really, it's it's just such a such a well-rounded team, but what makes them such well-rounded, those pieces are injured. Those pieces are banged up. Even if they, even if some of those guys, they probably will play, but we don't know what you're getting out of those guys. So I'm going with the Denver Broncos, a team that, it, they're skid, you know, they're in a skid, start 3-0, now they're 3-3. That shouldn't surprise anyone when you look at their schedule. They're a decent team. They're a mediocre team. I don't think they're anything special. In my mind, they're the worst team in this division. And it's a good division. I'll, I'll get... I'll give you know, them somewhat credit. You know, they're playing they're not playing in like a terrible division. They are playing in a pretty competitive division. But in my mind, this is gonna be it for Vic Fangio. I think this is his last year. I think Denver has to move on. I just don't think I don't think Vic Fangio is a coach that makes that that is that X factor that makes that difference. You know, he's great at game planning. Great defensive coordinator. He deserved to be a head coach, but through his tenure with the Broncos, nothing he n- there just hasn't been that much to be impressed by Fangio, and I I just don't think he's a difference maker at the head coaching position. And I like I think Denver has some nice pieces moving forward. I think they need a long term answer at the quarterback position. Obviously, they don't have that figured out. Drew Locke, they don't even think is the guy. They told us that by going with Teddy Bridgewater. So I'm going to go I am going to go with the Denver Broncos. I think they're a mediocre team, but they're playing a Browns team that is just so ravaged by injuries. Again, I think long term I do like the Browns, but this week, a short week coming off a bad loss to the Cardinals, I think the Browns continue to skid a little and they're going to fall under 500. I still like the Browns long term, but being 3 and 4, they're not that I think that basically kicks them out of the race for the division. It's the Ravens' division to lose. I picked the Ravens to win the division at the beginning of the year, so I kind of already thought that. But, you know, seeing how they play now, even with all their in, their respective injuries, the Ravens are the clear-cut favorite, maybe in the AFC. So, I, I like the Broncos here. I think they get the job done. And uh, improved 4-3, and three. again, they're a mediocre team. Nothing more, nothing less. So now let's move to the 1 o'clock games. Moving to Sunday now, we're going to start with the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs getting a huge... It was a big one against Washington. Not so much... You know, you expect them to beat those teams. But if you lose to Washington, the way the way that team is playing, that's an embarrassing loss. That's an embarrassing loss. And I, for me, you know, we could say, do the Chiefs need to fix Mahomes? What's wrong with Mahomes? I think you almost have to go back to his first full year starting. People forget. First career start, five touchdown passes. Or excuse me, his second career start, first he started a game at the end of his first at the end of his official rookie year. But his first start playing a full year, week one, five touchdowns against the Chargers. The very next week he comes and throws six touchdowns against the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
And I think for any young quarterback, and remember, there were so many questions about Mahomes' you know, inconsistency and was he a bit, you know, yes, he had this great talent and arm and, you know, arm talent, but he also had that some, he was very inconsistent, made some boneheaded decisions, had some really embarrassing turnovers. And I think what the Chiefs did so well is, you know, they, they built around Mahomes. Obviously, they had Tyreek Hill. They had Travis Kelsey. The offensive line was solid. That offensive line, you know, they remade in the entire offseason. But that offensive line has not been great. They traded a first-round pick for Orlando Brown. He has not been very good. You know, I don't know if it's, you know, being, having to take on a bigger load. You know, with the Ravens, he had great talent around him, which uh, I should say along the offensive line. I don't know if that's the problem, but that Chiefs offensive line not playing up to, I think, what a lot of people thought. And I think Mahomes just feels more pressure. Mahomes feels more pressure and feels like, okay, my offensive line isn't as good. My receivers are dropping passes. You know, Tyreek Kill, two drops that led to interceptions. The defense is giving up, what, 30-plus points a game? It's one of, if not the worst defenses in the league. So Mahomes, he, he can say it or not to the media, but he feels that pressure that, I have to be the Kansas City Chiefs. I have to be the Kansas City Patrick Mahomeses. That's what I feel like almost the mindset Mahomes has taken up the last few weeks as I don't care who you are. You're a 10-year veteran. You're a rookie. It's never good when a quarterback has that mindset or that mentality because that's when they do try to play hero ball. That's when they do try to make a mistake or do try to do too much and make mistakes. The Chiefs, I think, almost have to get back to basics. Get back to what Mahomes did so well earlier in his career. And just, hey, scheme guys open. Get the ball out quickly. And let and be able to make sure that Mahomes' raw talent, which we know he has oozes of, let that take over. Because that's what worked so well in his rookie year. and Or, excuse me, his first, his first year starting, I should say. And I think the Chiefs have to get back to that. Now, they're facing a Tennessee Titans, a defense that is really bad as well. I expect this game to be pretty high scoring. Titans offense looks like it's getting better and better. Both defenses are really bad and having difficult years and are, in my mind, showing no signs of improvement. Titans, they need to get Ryan Tannehill going. Because, you know, Derrick Henry, he's been playing well the last few weeks. Tannehill, remember, coming into the year... He was kind of that, on that fringe top 10 quarterback. It wasn't, you know, maybe solidified himself as one, but he was kind of in that 8 to 12 range. He has not played up to his standards, or at least what we have seen the last couple years. So I think both these quarterbacks, they're being, they're not playing up to their past, past par, past level, I should say. So I'm really looking at these two quarterbacks going, going up against very favorable matchups. Can Tannehill, you know, be consistent and be more like the guy we saw the last couple years? And can Mahomes avoid those dumb mistakes? And for the Chiefs specifically, I'm really interested to see those first 15 plays. You know, usually your first two drives, first 15 or so plays, they're scripted. You go over them time and time in practice. You don't necessarily know the order of them, but you know, you know kind of what those plays are. In some in some order, so I'm really interested to see that for the Chiefs and can they almost ease Mahomes in? Almost treat you know you don't want to treat someone on Mahomes' talent like a rookie, but can they almost treat him like you know maybe a second or third year guy? Ease him in, 
so that Mahomes gets comfortable. Maybe the Chiefs get that lead or or have a good first drive or two. And then Mahomes, he's able to relax. He eases into the game plan, eases into the kind of flow of the game, and doesn't try to do too much, which we've seen from Mahomes these last few weeks. That's why he has that's why his turnover problems have kind of skyrocketed this year. And we just haven't seen the overall consistency that we have really the last two years from Mahomes. So I'm really looking at the Chiefs and their game planning. Make Mahomes' life at least a little bit easier early on so you give him just a chance to settle in. And I think that's what every team needs to do for their quarterback. We're just not used to saying about we're just not used to saying that about Mahomes because of how polarizing he is. You know, uh, yeah, because of how polarizing of a figure he is and what he means to the NFL and the Kansas City Chiefs organization. So I'm I am going with the Chiefs to win that game. It'll be a high scoring game, but I'm the Titans Chiefs. I trust the Chiefs offense right now slightly more than the Titans offense. At the same time, I trust neither of their defenses. So I'm going with the Chiefs. I think they have a. I think both offenses continue to trend in the right direction. Titans huge statement win against the Bills. Right now, I believe the Titans are the number two seed in the AFC, so they're right in the thick of it especially in a division that they definitely need to take advantage of. But I am going with the Chiefs this week. Tough tough matchup uh for both for both defenses in a game in in an, an area of the season where both defenses need to get it right. Cuz if they don't get it right, yeah, you know, at this point, it's tough to see them getting it right ever. So, now let's go Washington Packers as Washington's a mess. On the field, off their feet, off the field. People, you know, we were talking about well-rounded teams earlier with the Browns mainly. Washington, uh, they might be the opposite of a well-rounded team. Yeah, they have guys like you know Gibson, McLaurin, uh, Chase Young, Montez Sweat on the defensive side of the ball. That, I mean, that defense. People were saying it's the best defense in the NFL. It's one of the worst, and I don't know if that's the regression of some of their players. I don't know if that's coaching, but. The Washington defense has been abysmal, and it's been nothing but abysmal this year. It's been terrible, and now they have to go into Lambeau Field, into Green Bay, and take on Aaron Rodgers. And and this pack, I mean, throughout Week One, the Packers might be the best team in football. They might be the hottest team. I mean, they got trounced by the Saints, but they they look like last year's Packers team that went to the NFC Championship game. They look that dominant, and. Against a Washington team that, you know, t- we're talking about identity. They don't have an identity. There is no identity. Something that I thought, I thought they had, they had an identity last year. And I don't know if it's because the defense has been so bad, but they just don't have one this year. There is no identity on this football team. I, they're spiraling out of control. It's a free fall. I don't, I don't think they're turning this thing around anytime soon. It's a lost season in my mind. The Packers should trounce him. This should be a blowout for the Green Bay Packers. Packers playing much better as of late. So I'm going with the Packers. I have there's so there's so many things wrong with this Washington organization on the field, but also off the field with obviously the whole you know they're not revealing the emails uh, or the NFL isn't revealing the emails you know under their their investigation into the Washington Football Team organization. The way they handled Sean Taylor, you know, a franchise icon. I mean, they handled that as poorly as possible. I didn't know you could handle something so important that poorly. I mean, it was embarrassing for their organization, the NFL, 
I mean, that was unbelievably... It was unbelievable how poorly it was handled. But, you know, unfortunately for Washington, it's kind of been a pattern the last decade or so. Yes, they've had some nice playoff appearances and some nice moments, but it, this organization, it's been an embarrassment. And I don't see from an on-the-field or off-the-field, there's nothing telling me that they're going to turn around anytime soon. So I'm going with the Packers. Packers, especially in Limbo Field, this game should be over, I'd say, midway through the second quarter. If Packers are playing up to their capabilities, it should be a blowout, maybe from the snap, maybe from the coin toss. Now, a real, this game, you know, Bengals-Ravens. Bengals-Ravens, this should be a really fun game because it's a test. Ravens are playing incredible football right now, but so are the Bengals. Yeah, I mean, they played the Lions last week, and, you know, that's a game they should win. But the fashion that they won, you know, they didn't play down to their opponent. They destroyed Detroit. Joe Burrow, I, I mean, you know, I, didn't, I thought he might get off to a slow start coming off the torn ACL. He looks incredible. He's really pushing the top ten quarterbacks in my mind, at least. He's this year, you know, off the top of my head, you know, I probably will have to go through it maybe more in depth later. But he's playing like a top ten quarterback, and nothing short of that. He's been unbelievable this year. His rapport with you know uh, Jamar Chase is incredible. The Bengals look like a potential playoff team. They should have been the Packers. Like this, this is a really, really good Bengals team. I think they, the the defense and the offensive, line, the offensive line has played better than I think we expected. I still have my concerns about the defense. But, you know, we're talking about Washington that I feel like is a no-man's land. Since he has a plan in my mind. And they're, they're heading in the right direction. Again, I'd like to see them. They, they need to improve this defense if they want to have long-term success and be able to go far in the playoffs in the near future. But that's probably more of an off-season thing, build through the draft, make a couple of nice signings. But the Bengals have a plan, it seems like. At least in my mind, they do. And maybe it's the Joe Burrow plan. Maybe he is the plan. And we'll see. And they're trying to piece it together around him. Because they definitely have struggled to put a all-around good football team on the field in the past. But the, Beng- the Bengals cannot waste Joe Burrow. Especially while he's under a rookie contract. Because Joe Burrow is playing lights-out football and living up to really the lofty expectations that come with being the number one pick. Having said that, I'm going with the Baltimore Ravens. I just think the Ravens, they're a win-now team. Bengals, I still probably give them another year or two before, they, before they're before they at even close to the Ravens level. I think, you know, this game's also in Baltimore. I think Cincy, specifically their offense, can be competitive against the Ravens' defense. But I don't see how the Cincinnati is going to be able to stop Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, he might be playing better than you know than when he was when he won the MVP a couple years back. Lamar Jackson's playing incredible. The Ravens' offense is getting healthier with the addition of Rashad Bateman, their first round rookie. Yeah, the Ravens, in my mind, are just a much all around a much better all around team. They're better coached. As great as the Bengals are for me, it's kind of like the Joe Burrow show. And as great as Lamar Jackson is for the Ravens, you know the, it, it's not. I spe- it's not all on Lamar Jackson. At least that's how I feel. Uh, he's you know Jackson's having an MVP caliber year, but when you're going up against teams like the Bengals, I think if you remove the quarterbacks out of it, the Ravens are just a much better team, and I expect that to show up on Sunday. So I'm going with Baltimore. I like the direction since he's heading, 
but I just don't think they have the all-around talent to be to beat a team like the Ravens, especially on the road. So now we're going to the Carolina Panthers taking on the New York Giants as if the Giants were healthy, I'd probably pick the Giants. You know, Giants, a blowout loss, but, uh, you know, I was t- like we mentioned at Cle- with Cleveland, you know, at the top of the podcast, Giants' offense is so banged up. Yes, Daniel Jones is playing, but no Andrew Thomas. He's playing as well as any left tackle in the NFL. Andrew Thomas is playing at a minimum Pro Bowl level. Andrew Thomas deserves to be a Pro Bowler. He should be a Pro Bowler. You know, we'll see how much time he misses with this, you know, ankle injury. But Andrew Thomas is playing at a lights-out level, stud left tackle level, especially considering the rest of the offensive line is in shambles. So now no Andrew Thomas. I don't know how Darren Jones is going to get a second of time in the pocket or just really behind the line of scrimmage before getting absolutely destroyed. No Kadarius Tony, who's really living up. You know, I was very skeptical when the Giants took him the first round. He's been playing incredible. You know, when he's been on the field, but now he has an ankle injury. Kenny Galladay, he's injured. I don't expect him to play. This Giants offense is just so banged up. Panthers, it was. I know they lost against the Vikings, but that comeback, that was telling. Because, you know, we, we thought, you know, can Darnold, can Darnold play at that level? If the Panthers are losing, can he elevate others, play around him, and lead his team? late to a to a win or a tie to force overtime. So Darnold, what he did against the Vikings, and I know the Vikings don't have a great defense, but what he did against the Vikings when everyone knew he had to throw the ball, all the pressure was on him to lead that comeback. That was very impressive. I know they lost the game when all was said and done, but that was very impressive. This Giants defense has taken massive steps back. They don't know how to... Their defensive backs can't catch the ball if it's thrown right to them. They're getting absolutely zero pressure. I mean, they're getting no pressure whatsoever. I I am going to go with the Carolina Panthers here. Again, if the Giants were healthy, I would probably lean New York. But again, I mean, right now, their only healthy receiver of significant... of Their only notable healthy receiver that I think the average fan will know is Sterling Shepard. No Kadarius Toney, no Kenny Galladay. Maybe Darius Slayton plays. He's banged up as well. It's really almost like last year's, last year's offense, except, oh, now Andrew Thomas is out. Nick Gates has been out for a while. That offensive line, their two best offensive linemen are out. And all your receiving additions in the offseason, they're injured as well. Even a guy like John Ross, who you know takes the top off the defense potentially, he's dealing with a hamstring injury. This Giants offense, Darren Jones has no shot. Darren Jones has no shot. So, again, I, I actually think the Giants would match up potentially well with the Panthers had you know, had they been healthy, but they're not. And this team is pretty bleak to begin with. This is just not a good football team. Dave Gettleman is, you know, he's gone. It's a matter of when, not if. Dave Gettleman's gone. All eyes will be on Dromera to see if they really conduct a you know, and a, a search, a real you know, GM search, and not just promote from within or promote one of his good buddies from another organization. Uh, they they need new leadership at pretty much all levels. It's embarrassing what's become of this Giants organization, especially over the last few years. I don't. Hopefully, they'll be able to turn it around. Maybe they they do bring in a new GM from another organization who's had some success in other roles you know, around the NFL. 
and in other franchise on other franchises, but the, I mean the Giants have been the laughing stock of the NFL. Right, the New York Giants for I say since twenty seventeen have been, and at least at, through this year will continue to be the laughing stock of the NFL, and at least for this and as I said I don't think that's changing, at least for another year. So I am gonna go with the Panthers. I think Darnold, his return... I know he played for the Jets, but his return to MetLife Stadium, I think he has a nice game. I think the Panthers come out on top. I really... I struggle to... I struggle to see how the Giants are going to score many points. They're facing a decent defense in the Panthers. Pretty good defense. And, you know, maybe they've come off the last few weeks, but still a pretty good defense. And they're dealing with all those injuries. I don't see how the Giants can over... They don't have the depth to overcome all the injuries they're dealing with. And I don't they don't they don't be coaching in the scheme to do that either. So going with the Panthers. I think the Panthers, you know, again, like the Broncos, great start, three and oh. Now they're three and three. I think they do get back to over five hundred and the Giants continue their free fall. So now let's go to the Atlanta Falcons taking on the Miami Dolphins. As of this recording, Deshaun Watson is still a member of the Houston Texans. Now, I say that because probably about 20 minutes or so before I started this recording, John McClain uh, covers the Houston Texans, incredible source uh, for the Houston Texans. He reported that a Deshaun Watson deal could between the Texans and Dolphins could transpire as early as this week. Now, I'm not saying it will happen, but when John McClain talks, I tend to listen, and I would advise everyone else to as well. Very knowledgeable uh, beat reporter, does an incredible job covering the Texans. So, when he, again, when, he's, when he talks, I listen. We'll see if a trade happens or not. I'm going to go with the Atlanta Falcons. I, I'm going to—I definitely—I could see—you know, I, I could see the Dolphins win this game. It seems like, though, the Falcons, they're playing better football, not great football— and again, you know, they beat the Giants, they beat the Jets. You know, their two wins are against New York teams and not the Bills. So that kind of says all you need to know. But the Dolphins losing to the Jaguars, and now they have to, they have to, they played in London, and they're not getting that bye week. Almost any team gets that bye week after the London game. The Dolphins do not. So between the travel and, you know, again, Atlanta, not great. But they seem to be playing just overall better football. You know, they lost to Washington, but at least were competitive. The Dolphins, uh, two I thought played decent against the Jaguars, but I don't know. I just this Dolphins team has taken massive steps back. They just aren't. They just don't look like a good football team, and I mean, the Falcons don't either. But I, I'm gonna go with the team that's playing at least slightly better as of late. Falcons also had the bye, a chance to kind of. Hit the reset button to an extent, you know. Get healthy for you know any nagging injuries, and again we're talking about that's one end, and the Dolphins are almost at the very opposite end, having to travel back from a London game in which they had a really embarrassing loss. So I'm going with the Falcons, although I, I don't expect either team is going. Both teams are going nowhere this season. Both teams are in rebuilding. And who knows where they'll go from? Who knows where these teams will go from here? So now the New York Jets taking on the New England Patriots. Patriots, I believe they're zero and four at home. I do think they get their first home win of the season. 
as I guess, you know, I pretty much said, this game is in New England. I, I like the Patriots here. They're playing... I, they should have had no shot to beat the Dallas Cowboys. No shot. The Dallas Cowboys are so much more of a talented team than, in, than the New England Patriots. It's not even funny. Uh, it's, the, the Patriots are just a much more... They're a fine team. They have some nice players. Matthew Judon, defensive player of the year candidate. But they had no business being in that game against Dallas. So, you know, incredible job by Belichick. Just shows you that, you know, hey, you know, coaching matters. You can never really count the Patriots out of any game. And now you're facing a team that's kind of <laughs> talent-wise at the opposite end. You know, faced a very talented Cowboys team. Now you're facing a Jets team that has some nice pieces. Zach Wilson, I think, has a lot of talent, but they're building. They're rebuilding. They don't look very good overall. Uh, yeah, I think they're still years away. Robert Sala, I still think he can be a good head coach, but he's learning. He's still learning the reins of the head coaching position. Going to New England, you know, new, normally New England's a very tough place to play. Now, granted, the Patriots have had some tough games. You know, the Buccaneers, the Cowboys in New England, so it's not like they're facing bad teams and just losing, although they did lose, I believe, to the Dolphins uh, in Week 1 at home, which, you know, knowing what we know now, you look back and say, how did that happen? So, I am going with the New England Patriots. I they're I think they're a better team than the Jets, and then coaching, and then they seem to, at least in some games, you know, they almost beat the Bucks, they almost beat the Cowboys, they're just playing way better than expectations and way better than their talent indicates. And I think that's a reflection on coaching. It's a lot. It's also a reflection on the players. So I, I like, you know, the Patriots, you know, we're not used to seeing them be in this position. We're not used to seeing the Patriots, you know, not winning their division, not being near the top of the AFC. But at least to me, it seems like they're headed in a positive direction. And if Mac Jones continues to progress the way we've seen I really like what I've seen from Mac Jones and it's early but through the first six weeks or so of the season Mac Jones to me looks like the best rookie quarterback now granted a lot of it has to do with the situation he's in I think a lot of people thought he was probably more NFL ready than some quarterbacks but his ceiling wasn't as high you know especially compared to guys like Trey Lance Zach Wilson so I like what I've seen from Mac Jones. I think the Patriots, including Jones, will continue to get better. And facing a team that, at least talent-wise, is just not on their level. It, the Jets are just not nowhere close to, in my mind, as talented, let alone you know, just a more fundamentally sound football team like the Patriots are. So I'm going to go with the Patriots. Obviously, tough loss against Dallas. But I think it, it showed a lot about the direction this team is headed and that hey, you know, they can play competitive football, fundamentally sound football, and pull off some upsets that maybe we didn't see coming, especially when you look at maybe their roster on paper. So let's now go afternoon games. It's a bit of a shorter schedule this week. A lot of bye weeks, Vikings, Cowboys, Jaguars, to name a few of teams. Now let's go Eagles, Raiders, Raiders... I picked them to win last week, and that was, in my mind, a statement win because they, as I, as I said, as 
excuse me, I said on the podcast last week when I picked them that with all the stuff going on around John Gruden and the cult and the potential culture that you know surrounding the team and the distractions that that type that, that those types of things cause they cause distractions no doubt but you know my prediction was they were going to rally around each other a coach the coaches that were there the players and they were going to get a big division win against the Broncos which is exactly what they did they dominated the Broncos now again i probably thought i liked the raiders better than the broncos overall but with all the all the distractions going on and and again this defense at least coming in i didn't love you know, I thought it was close enough where I thought it would be a very competitive game and wouldn't have been surprised if Denver won. So for the way that Vegas won, I think it was a statement win. I think it was a big win for their own for their own confidence and their ability to kind of say, hey, we have each other. We can we can build with what we have. We, ha- we still are a very good team. And we still can win football games. They're now playing the Philadelphia Eagles, and I expect that to continue. Raiders... They hit a bit of a bump in the road, right? You know, start off 3-0, lose two straight. You have, obviously, the huge distraction, the John Gruden news. You know, the the Raiders, you know, they hit, a bump, they hit a bump in the road. But I think, obviously, they beat Denver. I think they come here, win two straight, improve. I mean, they'll be 5-2. and two. They'll be 5-2 and two in a division that is obviously one of the best in football. So we'll see how far this team can go given you know they're in a division with the Chargers. They're in a division with the Chiefs. I don't know if this is a playoff team given the division they're in. But hey, you're 5-2. and two. They're going to have a chance to make the playoffs when all is said and done. So the Eagles, again, competitive against the Bucks. They're kind of in year one of, of rebuilding. I will say this, if you're Philly, I mean, you are counting down the days until the draft. You know, you, you, have the count, you have the date circled on your calendar for next year's draft already. They have the Colts first-round pick. Now, Colts playing better, but their record still isn't very good. You have the Dolphins first-round pick. As right now, Dolphins, that, that pick is in contention to be the number one overall pick. I mean, that's looking like a horrendous, horrendous, horrendous trade for Miami. And then you have your own first-round pick, and obviously you're not great either. You have three first-round picks that, when all is said and done, could finish in the top 10, top 12. You're going to have a boatload of draft picks, and obviously you have to scout right. And you have to be able to build, you know, you have to build, you know, roster construction is so big in today's NFL, obviously, and you have to use your picks and your assets to the best of your abilities and maximize them and some teams can do it better than others and I feel like the Eagles at least over the last few years have not been one of those teams so you obviously have to be able to maximize those picks but I love what I've seen uh at least drafting wise and the way Philly is stockpiling picks so that's kind of what you're looking forward to I know it's not overly exciting if you're an Eagles fan I like the Raiders in this one big huge win I can't say that enough against Denver they're kind of back on track and again I think they're just a better I think they're a better team than the Eagles this game's in Vegas as well I think the Raiders continue to roll they're five and two and I still think they're the third team in this division but hey they're giving themselves every bit of a chance and again win this game five and two you're right in the thick of it and if you're the Raiders that's all you ask for 
Now let's go the Jared Goff revenge game. <laughs> the Detroit Lions, the only winless team in the NFL, as you know, Jaguars picked up their first win a week ago. Only winless team in the NFL, traveling to the West Coast, taking on Los Angeles Rams. I I like some aspects of last week surprised me just in terms of they got blown out. Maybe I don't know if that says more about Detroit or Cincinnati. You know, I didn't love. Obviously, I don't love Detroit, but they were playing some good competitive football, playing in my mind above their talent level, especially when you look at some of the teams they were going up against. This game should be a blowout, though. Uh, the Rams are just the Rams are a Super Bowl contender if there ever was one. You know, they're right up there with the Packers. They're right up there with the Buccaneers. They're right up there with the Cardinals. They are one of the best teams in the NFL. And it's, for me, Super Bowl or bust for the Rams. It's Super Bowl or bust. I think they're going to make life hard on Jared Goff. Some of it will be Goff's fault, you know, making poor decisions. Some of it, you know, just the lack of talent around him, especially when you compare that to what he was, what he did have with Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. So again, I like I like the direction this Detroit team is going with. I mentioned the picks Philly has coming up in the draft. Detroit, they have the Rams first round picks for the next two years. So I definitely think there are a lot of positives long term for this Lions organization. I've said it time and time again. I love Brad Holmes. But the Rams are just an incredibly talented team. And they're incredibly well coached. And they play fundamentally sound football. They do everything right. They do everything right. So I expect it, you know, it'll be interesting to see the type of response and or ovation, <clears throat> or lack thereof, potentially, that Jared Goff gets. But I, I expect the Rams to give them a rude awakening. And I, this game, I expect to be over. I expect it to be over pretty quickly. Maybe the Lions can surprise me. But the, if you're the Rams, there's no way you should be letting Detroit hang around late in this one. Rams, they should pull away early and often. So let's now go. I mentioned the Bucks. You know, Rams are up there with the Bucks. Now let's go to those Buccaneers. You know, they've they've been they've mainly been great this year. They have mainly been great, but didn't look good against the Rams. You know, they they got up early against Philly, never really put the game away. Obviously, they iced it on that last drive, but they never really, you know, put the game away, you know, with the statement drive in the third or fourth quarter. They kind of let Philly hang around. They nearly lost to New England. The Buccaneers, they're still, a, they're still a Super Bowl caliber team in my mind, and they obviously have the talent, but as I said it time and time again, that secondary scares me. And not in a good way. Like, that secondary has a lot of holes, even without injuries. And now you look at all the injuries. You know, they had to bring in Richard Sherman, and now he's injured. I'm concerned about this Buccaneers secondary. They have a glaring hole. I'm interested to see what they do at the trading deadline. If I were uh, Jason Light and I were the Buccaneers, I'm aggressive. I'm being aggressive for a corner. I'm not saying I'd give up, you know, a first-round pick or anything of that nature. You know, what's interesting is I, I would have called Belichick. I would have called Belichick and, you know, seen the asking price for Stefan Gilmore. Uh, you know, I know, you know, that was a couple of weeks ago, and I know Gilmore's, you know, battled injuries, but, you know, given what else you have in that secondary and the fact that you're battling injuries as well, I would have called Belichick. I would have called the Patriots. And, you know, can you recruit another one of Brady's teammates? So I I, I think they should have called on Gilmore I think they should be, you know, 
they won the Super Bowl last year, obviously, but you never know when you're going to be able to win a Super Bowl. You know, we we think with Brady, the Bucks can win another, but you never know when that Super Bowl window will close. So I think when you have a chance to win a Super Bowl or a World Series in baseball or an NBA championship in basketball, you got to go all in. You got to go all in. I think Tampa should do that on a potential corner again. Um, don't be stupid. You know, don't don't, you know, give up the farm for a league average corner. Don't overpay for someone. But I'm calling just about any team that has a corner for sale. I'm really really aggressively surfacing the market, seeing what kind of values out there, seeing what kind of players are out there. Can they come in and compete with us for us? So I think Bucks really should go after a corner. I don't think it's going to matter that much, though, this week. They're a better team than the Bears. Justin Fields, I think Fields has a lot of talent. Fields has a lot of talent, and I think if the Bears build around him the right way, and we'll see if that's with Ryan Pace or not, but if the Bears build around Fields the right way, I think Fields can, you know, be a potential star in this league. I really do. You know, he can run, obviously, which you kind of need that mobility in today's NFL, but, you know, he's great to all, he, you know, is my mind can be accurate to all fields. And I mentioned his athleticism. He can obviously take off and run, and he can extend plays behind the line of scrimmage. An incredible athlete and player, but they have to build around him the correct way. We've seen a lot of inconsistencies from Fields going up against a really, really tough front seven in the Buccaneers. Bears defense, we're used to that defense being, you know, stout defense. Uh, it's meh. It's average in my mind. I expect Brady to tear it apart. The Bucks should win this game. Whether it's it's at home, it's in Tampa. But the Bucks should win this game regardless. They're just a bet. They're a better all around team. And again, Bears are rebuilding. They're seeing what they have in their own quarterback. They're trying to set a foundation for Justin Fields, which and there's nothing wrong with that. But you're just facing a team that's one of that's maybe the Super Bowl favorite in the Buccaneers. So now let's go to you know I mentioned the Lions. They're the only winless team. Now let's go to the only team without a loss. And those are the Arizona Cardinals taking on one of the worst teams in football, the Houston Texans. This game should be a blowout. The Cardinals, they even won the biggest surprises for me. And I should one of the biggest pleasant surprises for me. I I really thought this Cardinals team might be the worst in their division. You know, I'll, I'll say it. I'll, you know, all takes expose me all you want. I really thought this team might be the worst in their division. And I don't know if that was a slight on the Cardinals or mainly that they were they were and are in the best division in football, at least before Russell Wilson went down. But, I mean, the way they're... I mean, they killed Tennessee. I picked the Titans to win, and mainly I, I had higher expectations for the Titans. I mean, they destroyed Tennessee. They killed the Rams, which I would not have expected in my wildest dreams. And then I mean, they blew up Cleveland. Like, they're not winning. They're dominating. That defense, I never thought that that, that defense would be able to play that well. Uh, Byron Murphy is looking like, you know, the guy they drafted him out, you know, top of top of the uh, second round out of Washington. Byron Murphy looks incredible. It seems like, that, you know, J.J. Watt, you know, he's not obviously the same guy. But I, I just that defense is really playing incredible, and 
you know, Vance Joseph, he's the defensive coordinator there, kind of failed as a head coach with the Broncos. I don't know, you know, I, coaches sometimes they need, you know, that experience. So I think Vance Joseph should be a head coaching candidate, you know, at the end of the season, you know, when teams, when it's always kind of those five plus teams are looking for a head coach, I definitely think Vance Joseph's name should be firmly in the mix. You're going against the Houston Texans. Texans is not a good football team. We'll see, you know, if they do pull off the trade for Deshaun Watson, what can they get in return? Because that'll really indicate, you know, what type of team they will be moving forward. I mean, they're a better team, and they're dominating teams that I thought were better than them. They're by far the most impressive team with what they're doing. They're not, again, they're not just beating teams. They're dominating teams, and they're dominating teams that I didn't even think they should beat. So... Cardinals are there. I mean, they're a true six and zero. You know, a true state. They're dominating teams. They're beating teams that I thought were better than them. You know, they don't have any. They've had some easier games, but most of their schedule has been difficult. And they're also winning all their games, pretty much in convincing fashion. Yes, you know the Vikings game maybe was the one outlier where, you know, if Greg Joseph makes his kicks, makes his chip shot kicks, the Vikings do win that game. But re- really impressive with what the Cardinals are doing. And at least for one more week, I expect to keep it up. I'll be interested to see, though, with such a young team and ex- an inexperienced, you know, an inexperienced team for the most part, especially on that coaching staff with Cliff Kingsbury, assuming this team makes the playoffs, can they go deep when you're when you are facing the best of the best and you're facing teams that have been there before and there will be more pressure? How will this Cardinals team be able to, you know, handle that pressure? You know, take on that big moment in spots that a lot of these players have not in their respective careers, coaches as well. So I'm really interested to see how this Cardinals team plays down the stretch and potentially into the postseason. Because I mean, they've caught my eyes. I knew this offense had it in them. This defense, though, it, it's this defense. I don't think is getting the attention it deserves. In my mind, it's not getting enough attention. And again, it might not be the greatest defense, but you know it's it's playing really, really well. And I, I, you know, a Niners offense, you know, even with Trey Lance, you know, they held him to what ten points. So the defense for the Cardinals is playing, in my mind, incredible. Uh, just overall, really, really, really well. So now let's go to the Sunday night game. We have a really, really good Sunday night game. The Indianapolis Colts, who don't look now, but the Colts, I know they lost that tough game to Baltimore a couple weeks ago. But the Colts are playing really well. They lost a tough game to Baltimore where if Rodrigo Blankenship doesn't miss his kicks, you know, one kick he really missed, and he was also dealing with a hip injury. You know, if he's healthy and he makes that field goal or Clayus Campo doesn't block the one prior... Colts have a huge statement win, winning in Baltimore. And then, you know, they play Houston, a team they should beat, and they trounced Houston. I believe, what was the score? 31-3, to if I recall correctly. So, the te- or excuse me, the Colts, they're just playing much better football. And they're playing the way they should. Carson Wentz looks great. You know, I mean, ever since he kind of had that ankle injury where it's like, you know, who is he at this point? He had another injury. He's been inconsistent. Colts aren't playing well. Carson Wentz has looked great. 
The Colts team has just looked so much better. And they're playing a Niners team that Trey Lance has looked average. I, 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 th- I still think the sky is the limit for a guy of his talent level. But like I think many of us, including myself, kind of expected was they're you know playing only one game last year in college, not playing against the Alabamas and Georgias and Ohio States. There's probably a steeper learning curve for a guy of Trey Lance's caliber compared to you know Justin Fields or Mac Jones. So I do think Lance will continue to get better as the season goes on and as he gets more playing time. But going up against a Colts defense that I think is playing solid football, they had the terrible second half against the Ravens, but they bounced back against the Houston team. I think this Colts defense has a good game against the rookie quarterback. And this Niners defense overall, you know, it's I have my concerns about the secondary. It's playing, you know, solid football. It's playing good football. It's not, I feel like it though, it really hasn't taken over games like we saw a couple of years ago. Carson Wentz, as I said, is playing great football the last couple of games. I really like where this coach team is headed. The only problem is, is it too little too late? Is it too little too late? Do they get off to such a bad start, the Colts did, that they can't beat the tight or they can't reach the Titans? They can't catch up to them, especially if the Titans have their huge win against the Bills. I still think the Titans win this division, but I think if the Colts continue to play the way they have, they potentially could give Tennessee a run for their money. So I'm going with the Colts. They've just played much better footballs of late. They're the hotter team, and I do like the direction they're heading in, at least for this season. So now let's go to the New Orleans Saints taking on the Seattle Seahawks. This is such a tough game to pick. If, if Russell Wilson's playing, no doubt about it, I'm picking Seattle. I'm picking Seattle, no doubt about it. He's not playing. I'm going to go. It's such so tough, but I'm going to go with the Saints. Geno Smith has played decent. Obviously had the, the game-losing fumble against the Steelers. But I, the Saints defense has been inconsistent, but against... A guy like Geno Smith, I think they'll be able to force a couple turnovers. I think they'll be able to put their offense in really good positions. As, you know, the last week or so, the Seahawks defense has been much, much better. Now, granted, the bar wasn't very high to begin with. But the same, I think the Saints will be able to run the ball pretty well. I think I expect a huge game from Alvin Kamara against, again, a really suspect Seahawks defense, specifically that run defense. I think they'll be able to get a few explosive plays when they need them. And I just think they're going to be able to have these long time consuming drives. And I, although I think I could see some nice plays from the Seahawks offense with Geno Smith under center, I just don't see the consistency. The Seahawks offense won't be as consistent as they need to be in order to make up for their defense. Where if Russell Wilson was playing, I think the explosive plays, the consistency, I think the Seahawks offense would be able to, you know, compensate for that, compensate for their poor defense. But again, no Russell Wilson. I don't I don't expect this offense to be able to overcome their defensive deficiencies. So that's going to do it for this edition of NFL Game Time Podcast. Those are my picks for the Week 7 slate. Join, join me and hopefully Shy will be back for Week 8's edition. We'll see you next time on NFL Game Time Podcast.